This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. Kids these days are busy. Even when school is out and it's time to close the books, summers get filled up, often with sports. But over the years, that's changed a bit. 27% of parents say their children lost interest in playing sports. That's according to the 2022 report from the Aspen Institute's Project Play, a yearly report on youth sports. And just like us adults, screen time can make up a good chunk of the day. Kids between 8 and 12 have about 4 to 6 hours of screen time, and teens have up to 9 hours. That's according to the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. Now, some of you are still playing sports, and we asked you what you're up to. And why? My name is Lucia. I'm 11 years old, and I am from Boston, Massachusetts. Um, my favorite sport is gymnastics. I play it right now. I am a level four gymnast. And the reason why I love gymnastics is because it requires both your mind and body and focus and balance and all of that. And I just find it, well, um, not really relaxing, but like it's just easier for me to control what I'm doing. And then that can help me in the real world, real world too. <laughs> Um, I also really like how my teammates and my coaches work with me to help me. Um, so, yeah, that's why I like gymnastics. Hi, my name's Robin. I play soccer, and my favorite part about soccer is my coach. Lucia, Robin, thanks for sharing that. We brought together a panel of experts to talk about what youth sports look like today. After the break, we discuss how youth sports have changed over the years, why kids pick certain sports, and do all the kids really need to be the next Simone Biles? I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. Stay with us. We've got a lot to get to. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as Black experiences, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcast. Joining us to discuss kids' sports is Katrina Piercy. She's a registered dietitian and clinical exercise physiologist. She works at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as director of the Division of Prevention Science. Also joining us is Wayne Moss. He's the executive director of the National Council of Youth Sports. And Chris Beery is here, too. He's the district executive director and sports chair for the YMCA of Greater Oklahoma City. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Wayne, let's just start with the basics. How does participating in sports shape a child's development? Oh, my God, that is such a great question. And, you know, the the development that takes place from participation really uh, is at a number of levels. Obviously, there's the physical development that takes place. And I love to hear it when uh, young people are talking about participating in multiple sports and multiple opportunities because each of those sports are different. And uh, young people learn different motor skills and uh, certainly helps them in that respect. But, you know, there's also a deeper uh, kind of engagement. And, you know, one of the uh, young people earlier talked about this notion of engaging her mind. And we know that there's a direct link between sports uh, and academic performance, between social and emotional resiliency, 
uh, as well as leadership skills. So all of those things taken together really makes for a well-rounded person. Now, not all sports are done in a team. You have sports like tennis, boxing, certain kinds of martial arts that are done solo. Katrina, does a team sport affect a child differently than participating in a solo sport? Not necessarily. All sports um, can count and can bring some of those benefits that Wayne just spoke about. So it's really important for kids to find different things or to try different things so they can find something that they enjoy. Some kids might really thrive in the team environment, having other kids around them, and some might thrive um, being more solo. So I think important to, for them to be what we call sports sampling or trying different sports out till they find something that they may enjoy, not just focusing on just one. Uh, Chris, you oversee sports programs at a YMCA. How has the popularity of certain sports changed over time? You know, I think we've seen our traditional sports uh, have stayed popular. And when we look at traditional sports, we look at basketball and soccer, football, baseball, and volleyball. I definitely would say that volleyball has grown quite a bit probably in the recent years for us. Um, And then our bat and ball sports, those have seen a little bit of a decline, but I like to think that some of that can be tied to the weather here. Uh, in Oklahoma City, we we just went through a week of heat indexes of over 105, and people usually decide to move to basketball the next summer when we have something like that. Understandably. Wayne, how have you seen interests in certain sports change over time? You know, I think a couple of different things have been occurring. So first of all, there's a, there's a rise in uh, certain sports, and, uh, you know, Chris talked about some of that, but You know, there are sports like flag football where, you know, there's a tremendous interest in uh, in participation, and you've seen that spike. Uh, Not only is uh, indoor volleyball, you know, happening, but, you know, that outdoor volleyball, uh, fast-pitch softball uh, is certainly uh, one of those sports. And then basketball, and I think, you know, basketball makes it easy for participation in terms of, you know, you don't have the, the, you know, it's easy to organize yourselves and, uh, the uh, the uh, rate of, there's not a lot of friction in terms of cost to participate, if you will, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Katrina, I'm thinking about when I was growing up in Detroit and when I was a kid, at least over the summer, none of our sports would, I think, fall under the organized category. <laughs> it was a lot of kickball and four square and chase and hide and seek. I mean, how much of a difference does it make whether a child is playing in a sport that has a coach and has an organized infrastructure around it versus pulling together sports or games that are just happening within a neighborhood environment. We actually really need both. And you're right that we've kind of seen a decline in more of these less organized kind of the pickup games, kind of go outside, bring a ball and make up a game. And there's a lot of great um, skills that kids can can develop, you know, the interpersonal leadership skills, conflict resolution when we're navigating things um, there. And it can kind of almost start the introduction of sports. And then also playing on a team, you can get some of these benefits as well of having a coach and a role model and making sure that kids are doing the different activities in the proper way and have the proper safety equipment too. So we need both. Let's go back to our text club. One of you shared this. My son wrestles because he likes the intensity of the sport and that you're solely responsible for your outcome, but in a team environment. He also likes the respect that wrestlers have for each other. There is rarely, if ever, any trash talking between wrestlers. And finally, he likes it because, as he told me, quote, dad, 
It's something you never did. How have kids' interests in organized sports changed over time, Katrina? Well, we've definitely seen a shift in the last few years with COVID. So we saw a complete stop of a lot of programs and then a gradual reopening of some of those. But it has shifted. There's a lot of programs that may not exist anymore. And so that brought kids together in their um, neighborhoods to start doing less organized sports. And for some parents, they realized, gosh, the organized sports was too much on their family. And so there's kids that maybe haven't come back to that very intense travel schedule and hopefully are finding other ways to be active and play. You know, when people think about playing a sport, they might think about late night practices and lots of equipment and hours of travel. But Wayne, it doesn't have to look like that. What are the different ways kids can get out and get engaged in sports, but maybe without quite that same level of intensity? You know, I'm certainly uh, one of those uh, sports parents. Uh, My son is now 20. And, uh, you know, Katrina talked about uh, the notion of COVID and uh, families beginning to take a look at their priorities. Uh, so first of all, I've been there both uh, on the professional side as well as the personal side. Uh, when I think about, again, those opportunities for young people to participate, uh, you know, clearly uh, there's the opportunity, you know, for that spontaneous neighborhood kind of pickup play. Uh, and, you know, if you go back many, many years ago, uh, Again, young people were organizing themselves and having fun and and all of that. And one of the things that I think uh, certainly there's a huge benefit around that is the imagination, the imaginative side of of that. Um, You know, Katrina talked about the conflict resolution and that kind of thing. But, you know, I think about those times that we made up our own games. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, in this world where most of the place seems to be adult-led, uh, some of that imagination, I think, uh, has uh, fallen away. And so, you know, young people simply getting out uh, in their own neighborhood, in their, uh, in, in their own backyards, whether it's with family, uh, with parents, or with friends, uh, certainly is one of those easy ways and uh, easy way to get engaged and uh, certainly is one of the things that young people need to be doing. Up next, we talk about a big part of youth sports, the cost. Stay with us. We've got plenty more ahead. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com slash NPR today to get 10% off your first month. Support for NPR and the following message come from the Wallace Foundation, working to develop and share practices that can improve learning and enrichment for young people and the vitality of the arts for everyone. Ideas and information at WallaceFoundation.org. This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking about youth sports. We got this message from a family in Idaho that found a free boxing camp in their community. Hi, my name's Alea. Hi, I'm Alea's dad. Um, Alea's been in sports since she was about... Three. First sport was? Skiing. Yeah, I think skiing was first, then we moved through jujitsu, 
and uh, gymnastics. And by the time she was six, she was also doing boxing. And what's your favorite part about boxing? My favorite part is when you get to punch the heavy bag. This summer, we're focusing on basketball. Why is that, Alea? So I can learn to work with a group. Yeah, we think a team sport might help her reach maybe the next level in how to be part of a community and contribute to it. And because I want to learn how to jump through my legs. Alea, Gabriel, thanks for sharing that with us. And Alea, yes. I'm a big fan of hitting the heavy bag, so stick with that. We got this message from a member of our text club. My 13-year-old son's baseball costs are $4,500 plus travel and equipment. This is ridiculous, and there are a few other options. Club and competitive teams have replaced recreational teams. I'm tired of spending thousands to give my kids an opportunity to play. And what about those kids who can't afford it? Heartbreaking. And another of you shared this. My grandkids have not been able to play sports because of the expense. Sad, sports in schools used to be free or affordable. Now, Chris, even if they want to play a sport, like we're hearing, not all kids have the means to get where they need to go or they can't afford the fees that come with joining a league. What are some of the ways you try to address that at the YMCA? Well, I think one of the the highlights that we've seen in the last year is our YMCA Elementary School Sports League here in Oklahoma City. Uh, It's a third and fourth grade league that is completely free for children in Oklahoma City public schools. Uh, it's founded by two great foundations and donors that make sure this is available, but it covers all expenses. So your league fees are covered, your uniforms are covered. Then we work with Cleats for Kids in Oklahoma City to make sure they get footwear to participate in. So we have completely removed the cost barrier for those third and fourth graders, and it's helping provide a pathway for them to then go into a fifth and sixth grade league with the Police Athletic League. And then at seventh grade, they move into school sports. So they've got a clear pathway from third through 12th grade And we've seen this league grow almost 27% in this last year. Um, So right now we've currently got over 2,400 kids participating in that completely free. But I think one of the exciting things of it is 99% said they had fun playing sports again. And so for us to remove that cost and to be fun – just as a perfect example of one of the steps we're taking. But those costs do continue, even though they're covered with those very young children. Once they move into high school sports or into some of the other leagues, are there ways the YMCA contributes to help offset some of the costs for kids? Yeah. And at the Y, we also have a, here in Oklahoma City, we have a policy that no one will be turned away due to an inability to pay. So we raise funds and have a place where people can apply for scholarships to help cover expenses. Now, Wayne, the National Council of Youth Sports is made up of youth sports organizations across the country. What kinds of programs do you have to help cover some of the costs of participating in organized sports? One of the things that we do is, uh, you know, we're working with, uh, you know, corporate entities to help uh, support some of the issues that are that are occurring in youth sports. And, you know, so when I think about uh, the things that we need to do, there's a role for uh, for all of us. There's certainly uh, the role of uh, organizations like ours, brands that are interested in sport in terms of uh, providing uh, opportunities, uh, dollars to offset the cost of these sports. And then, you know, there's the role of government and parents and all of us coming together and this is a very real cost. Uh, the average, you know, we heard uh, baseball, you know, $4,500 to play baseball. And the average cost is about $700 in terms of, you know, the cutting across all sports. But we know 
some parents are paying upwards of close to ten, twelve thousand dollars to participate. One of the things that I would say is that it's important for us to think about these low and no cost programs like uh, the YMCA and Boys and Girls Clubs of America. Oftentimes, people think that it is only those programs where they're spending thousands of dollars that are quality programs, when in fact, many programs like the ones that Chris is running really are doing phenomenal work. And he said something that was really key that I don't hear a lot in sport these, sports these days, and that is young people having fun. Mm. Katrina, I'd love to hear from you as well on the funding piece of this, because if for parents who want to get their kids involved in sports but feel like that cost is a barrier, what other resources are available for them? No, and that's a, definitely a, a challenging barrier for lots of parents and lots of kids who just want to play. So the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services put out the National Youth Sports Strategy in 2019 with the idea of focusing on some of these underserved populations that don't necessarily have the resources and have some more barriers to play. Um, there's a lot of programs like the Y and others that are providing scholarships or fee waivers or um, uh, providing different incentives to help reduce that barrier through sponsorships through within the local community. Um, that could really help open the door for more kids to be able to play, thinking about those fees, but then also the equipment piece of this too. Kids grow fast, and so they might be able to wear a pair of cleats for one season, and they're out of them by the next. So thinking about unique ways to reuse equipment and to share those resources so that more kids have the opportunity to play. It's interesting. You you use the word play, and we're talking about sports. Do you see a distinction between the two? Yes, that's a great point. So when we think about youth sports, and at least from the federal government side, we're thinking about this in the sense of play and fun and kind of this movement. And sports can provide an opportunity to really develop some of these physical literacy skills. So these basic fundamentals, how to throw a ball, how to kick, how to play. And really, at the core of it, as Chris mentioned, is is having fun. When you ask kids why they play sports, they want to have fun. And so we tend to think about it in, in the play terms. So the goal of the National Youth Sports Strategy is to get as many kids moving as possible. What about for kids who have disabilities and some of the barriers that may exist for them to participate? Go ahead. Yes, yeah. they're, they're definitely an, an important piece of this. So one of the things that we really highlighted in the National Youth Sports Strategy is these several populations that have lower participation, and youth with disability are, are one of those groups. And so there are strategies um, within that talking about how do we remove some of those barriers, thinking about unified sports programs that Special Olympics puts on, where they bring in youth with um, intellectual disabilities playing alongside youth of all abilities. And so it um, takes a little bit of, of effort to come up with these programs in creative ways, but Really, really an important piece to make sure that all kids have the opportunity to get the benefits of playing sports. Chris, how are you tackling the accessibility uh, barriers that may exist for kids with disabilities who want to be engaged in sports and play? You know, we've, we've really put that as a focus of our work. And so one of the things that we do is try to make sure that there's sports offered year-round for those children. And so we actually have uh, Miracle League baseball twice a year. And so with this Miracle League, it's a specialized field that allows people with mobility issues to roll across it in wheelchairs or to be able to walk on it without injury. Uh, we also have a Champions League basketball. And then another one that we're seeing great success with is actually eSports. And uh, my nephew participates in the league, has autism, but he's able to come in and play eSports against kids that may not have those uh Disabilities and be able to interact with them, and he actually won our esports league last summer. Now, wait, what are what are esports? What are esports exactly? So, so it is video games, but and so as we know, as we talk about screen time, 
But one of the things that we've done with our esports league is try to put a focus on the uh, physical aspect of it as well as the mental and know that uh, it can be a good program and a good experience if uh, following guidelines and sort of our expectations. Mm -hmm. So parents can play a big role in how kids play sports. But Katrina, how much parental involvement is enough and how much is not enough? So there's a balance there. And certainly as parents, we can be role models for kids. Um, if a parent is physically active themselves or if they've played sports, they tend to be more likely to sign their kids up and doing it. Um, there is sometimes an, an overreach and kind of a uh, a thought that our kids can be the next one that is on a Division One scholarship or the next one that's going pro. And I think sometimes we lose the fun aspect of it. And so I mentioned sports sampling earlier. And sometimes it's it's the pressure from the parents or the coaches sometimes that is forcing a kid into playing year-round soccer or year-round baseball. And parents can be a great role model by helping to encourage their kids to try different sports, to find something that they enjoy doing, um, and really giving them different opportunities to do that. So if a team sport isn't clicking for them, signing them up for some other activity to, to try and really being a positive role model off the field, you know, to the spectators, to the referees, to the coaches, they can be a great role. Well, we got this email from Patricia who says, my granddaughter who is 12 plays both basketball and soccer. She just finished a week-long basketball camp. She really enjoyed it. She said she's developing her skills and likes the exercise. Next week, she has a weekend camp for soccer. Uh, Wayne, how important is a child's relationship with their coach if the coach is not their parent? You know, that relationship between the coach and the young person is uh, one of the most important. It's going to set the stage for uh, the experience that a young person has. Uh, That coach ultimately can make the uh, the, the difference between whether a young person uh, continues in sport, uh, has a great experience, or uh, that coach may create an environment where a young person gets disenchanted with with participation and then ultimately quit. We know that uh, 70% of young people uh, quit sport by age 13. There's a variety of reasons for that, but the experience that they have with, uh, uh, you know, not only with their coaches, but also, you know, with their parents and the kind of uh, experience, the overall experience makes a huge, huge difference uh, in the experience that a young person has. So it's extraordinarily important. Before we head to break, let's go to this message we got from Miranda, who emails, I ran cross-country throughout all of high school, and the life lessons I learned along the way have helped me even for non-running activities. For example, my favorite is a line my coach, Coach Shoemaker, would say, Have faith in your recovery. It's meant to motivate you during a race to run your hardest, but I told myself this during many stressful times. It's been a keystone lesson in my life. We'll be back with more of our conversation on kids' sports in just a moment. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top 10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. 
Teladoc Health understands whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight. Teladoc Health can help. Visit teladochealth.com/slash what's your why for more information. That's T E L A D O C Health slash what's your why. We're talking about youth sports in the U.S. Wayne, how has youth sports as an industry changed over time? You know, the youth sports industry has become much more commercialized. It has become a big business uh, in in and of itself. You know, whereas, uh, again, we go 30, 40 years ago, uh, it was self-directed, youth-led. It has become adult-led. Doesn't necessarily make that a bad thing, but some of the challenges that come out of that, uh, again, are some of the things that we talked about in, in terms of the cost of participation. Uh, you know, I think some of the other things around sport that has changed that has also uh, led to some of the challenges in sport, you know, include the, the spiraling uh, salaries that we now see in uh, professional sports. And so, you know, when mom and dad see some of these extraordinary salaries that uh, are being uh, inked by professional players, uh, they see uh, little Johnny and Jane uh, as you know, this is their opportunity, and so suddenly uh, it, it becomes much different in terms of what some parents may think is on the line uh, in terms of their young person's participation. So, again, I want to come back to this notion of it's important for young people at the core to have fun with what they're doing. There'll be tremendous lessons that will make a huge difference for them over the course of a lifetime. Uh, that will be far and greater surpass perhaps some of the things that parents may think that they'll get, uh, you know, by virtue of scholarships and the like. Well, yeah, I was I was thinking about the the rising cost of a college education, and as you engage with parents, Wayne, do you see more of that coming up in the co- in the conversations with parents? This is the way I'm going to get my kids to a higher education. You know, it's it's interesting because <clears throat> when I look at uh, the amount of money that some parents are spending uh, for their child to participate under the guise of, hey, this is this will help uh, get a college scholarship. You know, quite frankly, you could take a lot of that money, put it to the side, and you'd have enough uh, simply to, to send your, your, your young person to school. You know, it's one thing if uh, the reason is to participate, to have fun, to uh, develop those skills and all of that. But if the sole reason is uh, you know, it's about receiving a a, scholar, a college scholarship. There'll meet there'll be many of young people who will participate at the youth level who will not necessarily uh, participate at the collegiate level. Not only in terms of you know the the lack of a scholarship, but for many there will be this notion of burnout. Uh, they've played for so long, so many years that it becomes a grind, and for some that young person will not necessarily want to have their collegiate experience uh, be, uh, again, more of that. Katrina, I see you nodding me. How can the competitive aspect of organized sports affect a a kid's experience? 
Definitely. The competitive piece definitely can change the dynamics of it. And there tends to be a certain age. Wayne talked about um, the dropout rate that we tend to see around 13. And there tends to be some somewhat of a pivot where we've funneled a lot of youth sports in the United States into this very competitive higher level. And there's a lot of kids that drop out simply because they're not staying at that same level or they don't want to keep playing there. And unfortunately, the challenge is that there's not enough rec programs that will let kids keep playing at whatever competitive level they may be at. So that's another kind of culture shift that we want to be thinking about. How do we open up more opportunities for kids to play and, you know, kind of leveling that that competitive piece? Chris, how are you all balancing competition versus just play and, you know, experience for kids involved at the YMCA? You know, for us, we, we feel competition can be a great thing, and especially if it's done in the right environment. And so at the Y here in Oklahoma City, we actually have multiple leagues. So we have our developmental league, which would be more of your traditional YMCA sports league. But then we also offer what we call a spirit league, where we bring in state-certified officials for the sports. We offer an end-of-season tournament, but you're still going to be held to the YMCA core values and standards. And so even though there is competition to it, it doesn't give you the green light to behave however you want to uh, you might see in some of these YouTube videos of parents uh, losing it at games. It doesn't give you that permission to do that, but it does create that place where kids can play from age three all the way up through high school with us at, at different levels. Hmm. You know, the pandemic changed our activity level. It, it shut down a lot of interactions. The National Institutes of Health published a study last year that found 63% of parents said their children's participation in organized sports decreased since the pandemic. Katrina, how have you seen that participation level change? Yeah, it has changed quite a bit. Um, our office tracks youth sports um, through Healthy People 2030 for the for the first time we added a youth sports objective. And when we initially published Healthy People in 2020, the um, participation rate for sports was 58%. And so we set a target at 2030 to reach 63%. And if we look at the most current data from 2020, 2020 to 2021, so right in the times with COVID, we were back down at 50% of kids that were playing. And so we've definitely seen a shift. And that's part of what I think as we're going back into things and everything is is back opening up, how do we ensure that there's more opportunities for kids to get back in? And if they haven't played for a few years, is there a means for them to get in and and restart or try a new sport or a new activity? And why is this a priority for the U.S. Department of Health? Well, if you think about it, um, and Wayne spoke about some of the benefits at the beginning, we know for kids being physically active is really important. Um, But most kids aren't meeting the basic um, federal guidelines for physical activity. That's 60 minutes or moderate intensity physical activity each day, including uh, muscle strengthening, bone strengthening, vigorous activity. Only 16.5% of our nation's youth are actually meeting those guidelines. One way kids get that activity is through sports. And so if we can help provide more opportunities for kids to play sports, we can then um, work towards increasing their physical activity levels. And that brings about kind of the the physical, mental, emotional, cognitive, all of these benefits um, that sports can bring, and not to mention just having fun. What are some of those benefits for a parent who might be listening right now? So when we think about the opportunity through sports, um, there's the social, emotional piece of this, the teamwork, um, work ethic conflict resolution. We've also seen some data that there's reduced rates of suicide, um, reduced violence and crime because there's less opportunity to get involved or we find other other ways um, to divert that energy. So um, there's a lot of benefits to, to playing sports and just being able to grow as a person through an activity with, with others on the field with you. Well, we have to acknowledge the accessibility issue for communities that um, are lower income, 
what does the U.S. Department of Health want to do or what have they done to try to make sure all kids have access to this kind of opportunity? Yes. So that's part of what we put out the National Youth Sports Strategy in 2019. There's over 50 opportunities and action items within that with a particular focus on the underserved population. So girls, youth with a disability, youth from lower um, income households, youth of race and ethnic minorities, and really outlining specific strategies, things like the YMCA are already doing of how do you reduce the cost barriers? How do you make programs more accessible? How do you locate them in areas of the community where kids can get to them easily? So is that at a school or can they take public transit? How do we how do we make it easier for more kids to be able to play, not only for the kids, but their families, the parents, the caregivers as well? Is there funding attached to that strategy? So when we launched the National Youth Sports Strategy, yes, there were several million dollars in funding that was put out into the community. And part of what we're doing now through our NYSS Champions Program is helping to identify some of these funding streams and ensure that they are getting out to the different communities Um, and also putting a spotlight on organizations that are doing this well. Um, Programs like the YMCA that are are in many of our communities already um, highlighting what they're doing so that others can get involved. Well, we'll leave it there. That's Katrina Piercy. She works for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. She directs the Division of Prevention Science. She's also a registered dietitian and clinical exercise physiologist. Also with us, Wayne Moss. He's the executive director of the National Council of Youth Sports. And Chris Berry, the district executive director and sports chair for the YMCA of Greater Oklahoma City. Katrina, Wayne, Chris, thanks for speaking with us. Today's producer was Jorgelina Manorea. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Have fun playing. And we'll talk again tomorrow. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little breaks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.